Alhamdulillah, we did the fourth juz. And in the fourth juz, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins with talking about And for the people, there is hajj to his house. Now I know that many of us think at this time that hajj is something we will do later in our life. Alhamdulillah, every time I get the chance of doing hajj, and I have a group with me, all the adults that do hajj, they always say the same thing, that I wish we did hajj in our younger in our youth. Because as you get older, your body gets weaker and you get more tired. And you're unable to do the ibadah that you're once able to do in your youth. That is why the worship of youth is so valuable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you have the strength and the ability, but you don't have the maturity. But in the older age, you have the maturity and the desire to do it, but you don't have the strength to do it. So we say that we will pray and we will do all of our ibadah and hajj later in our life. But when? When we can no longer do sajda? When we become chairman? You know a chairman? When you sit on a chair. Say so when we are retired and we have money and we have everything, then we will do it. But then you don't have the strength. It is a habit in um, Malaysia, Indonesia, Turkey, that when couples get married, the first thing they do is they go for hajj. Honeymoon and all that stuff is secondary. But the first thing they do is they go for Hajj. Even in our home, from my parents to my siblings, everyone got married uh, in, by the Haram. And one of the first things they did was Tawaf around the Kaaba. Now this doesn't mean that you can't get divorced after that. That can happen as well. This is not like a seal that just because you do it, your marriage is forever. So, no. It means that you have a certain purpose in your life. That our focus is what? That we're here to change our lives. And we're here to fulfill a responsibility. We're here to fulfill an obligation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the first thing. The second thing that is mentioned uh, in the surah is tawbah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about tawbah by saying that tawbah isn't when a person does a sin on purpose. Tawbah is when you make a mistake. It's not that you are consciously doing the sin and then turn to Allah and say, Ya Allah, forgive me. But the sin occurs when there is a slip or there is a mistake. The third thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in the surah is, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظًا قَلْبًا لَنْ فَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِهِ فَاعْفُوا عَنْهُمْ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ Rahmat and the barakah of, of, of Allah of Rasulullah was that he was naturally made gentle. Naturally. That is why Rasulullah participated in seven wars. There were 27 battles that took place in his time. A battle that Rasulullah partook in is called Ghazwa. And a, and a, and a battle that Rasulullah did not partake in. It was what we call a harb, or what we call a sariya. Sariya sometimes is referred to a smaller battle. But ghazwa, you say ghazwa badar, ghazwa al-Uhud, ghazwa al-Khandaq. This is what Rasulullah himself partook in, and there were seven of them in his life. 
Despite being in seven battles, the Prophet ﷺ, through his hands, only one person was killed. No one else was killed from Rasulullah's hand, Ubay ibn Khalf, only one individual. And that was in the Battle of Uhud. And Allah talks about the Battle of Uhud as well in the Surah Uhud in Badr, He speaks about it. And how was Rasulullah's killing of Ubay ibn Khalf? Even that, even the Prophet's killing was a rahmah. Ubay ibn Khalf was one of the people that Rasulullah told him that you I'm going to kill with my own hands in Makkah al Makarrah. So it was the battle of Uhud and Rasulullah is on the mountain of Uhud. And the mountain of Uhud is this beautiful red mountain. The Prophet says Uhud is from Jannah. This is a mountain that we love and the mountain loves us as well. One time Rasulullah is on top of the mountain and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is with him and Umar radiallahu anhu is with him and Uthman radiallahu anhu is with him and the mountain begins to shake and the Prophet sallallahu stomps on the mountain and he says, Uskun, he says, calm down for upon you is a Nabi, upon you is a Siddiq and two Shaheeds are upon you. He had foretold the Shahad of Umar radiallahu anhu and Uthman radiallahu anhu in their lives. That upon you is two Shaheeds, a Nabi and a Siddiq. So this mountain is a very unique mountain. It's a beautiful mountain and it, it goes on for about six or seven miles. It goes on, for, sorry, it goes on for about four miles, six to seven uh, uh, kilometers. And when you exit Madinatul Munawwara or the Masjid al-Nabawi, you can see the mountain from where you are exiting from. That's, and you have an understanding that that's how close the battle had come to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi The battle of Badr is the second battle of Islam. There were shorter battles that had taken place before the battle of Badr. They call it Badr Suhra, a mini Badr, and a few other uh, uh, battles that took place before Badr. Badr was the major battle that took place in the first one that Rasulullah sallallahu was in. And Uhud was the second one the Prophet sallallahu was in, but it wasn't the second battle. It was the third battle, or there were a few battles before that. Now, in the, uh, in the mountain of Bahad is very unique, is because the Prophet ﷺ consistently uses it as a metaphor. Can someone tell me exactly, if you can just search, check on your phone, it's been a long time, uh, how long Bahad is actually. I'm recalling it to be about four miles, about eight, seven to eight kilometers. But someone can check up and give me an exact number. Seven and a half kilometers. So what is that about? Three and a half miles? Three miles? Roughly. The Prophet uses this mountain as a metaphor many times. First thing he says about this mountain is that a person who prays Salatul Janazah gets the reward of a qirat. The Sahaba asked Ya Rasulullah, what is a qirat? The Prophet said a qirat is the size of mountain of Ahad. So if you just go and pray Salatul Janazah, you will get the reward of three miles. Like if you had gold that went on for three miles, and at a, what's the elevation of it, the height of it? Let me just say that to you right there on your Wikipedia. One thousand seventy-seven meters. And that's about how many feet is that? Uh, three thousand five hundred thirty-three feet. Thirty-five hundred feet. So imagine how tall you guys are. Thirty-five hundred feet and three miles long. It's just to pray Salatul Janazah, and Salatul Janazah takes less than a minute for Takbirat. But you have to know the du'as too. If you don't know the du'as, then you're not gonna get the full reward, you'll get a discounted reward, maybe a few pebbles. Inshallah will give you all the reward, but learn these du'as, that's the first thing. 
The second thing is, the Prophet said, if you go and you bury the person, then you get another qirat. So Denton seems far away. When you realize that you get three worth of three miles of reward, then Denton seems like only a step away. That always try to go to a janazah as much as possible, whether you know the person or don't. If you can take the time out, go bury them and come back. It'll take some time. But I promise you on the day of judgment, when you go and you see mountains of reward, it'll be because of these things. The third thing, Rasulullah said, the person in Jahannam, when they're, when they're sent to hell, their bodies are magnified. So how does the Prophet explain how big a person will be in Jahannam? He says the size of their molar, one of their molars, is the size of the mountain of Ahad. So if your one molar is three miles long and 3,500 feet high, imagine how big your mouth is and your head is and your body is. And the punishment is even further magnified in the fire of Jahannam. May Allah protect us and save us from it. Amen. The battle of Uhud was one of the most difficult battles for Rasulullah In that battle, 70 of the Prophet companions are massacred. His own uncle is slaughtered and his liver is taken out and chewed by him that spat out. Wahshi radiallahu anhu is the one that he is told that if you can, whoever can slay him, I will free you. And Hamza radiallahu anhu is known as Asadullah, the Lion of Allah. So when he was slain, later on Wahshi radiallahu anhu becomes a Muslim. Later on, Hind also becomes a Muslim. And when Wahshi comes to accept Islam at the hands of Rasulullah the Prophet pauses for a second. And he says, Ya Rasulullah, I'm here to accept Islam. And the Prophet accepts it. Then the Prophet tells the Sahaba, he said, I paused for a second. He said, I thought you would understand. Even I am a Nabi of Allah, but my heart was that this man killed my uncle. And if he accepted Islam, then that's forgiven. And I thought someone would take action and say, Rasulullah, we didn't understand. He said, now he's Muslim. Then the Prophet would tell Rashid that don't sit in front of me. My request is if you come to the majlis, sit in the corner or in the back. Because when my eyes fall upon you, I remember my uncle. And he even once asked him, tell me the story of how you killed my uncle. And these are the testimony of how the Prophet is a true Nabi. It's because no other person can hug the person who kills their beloved. Hinda as well. So anyway, Rasulullah he goes and he وسلم, in the battle of Uhud. It was a decisive battle. There was a, there was a Abu Talha radiallahu anhu was the one that was guarding Rasulullah And only for two people did the Prophet say, Fidaka abi wa ummi. May my mother and father be sacrificed for you. And one of them is Talha radiallahu anhu. Uh, Talha radiallahu anhu. Talha bin Ubaidullah. And it comes that his hand had become like a strainer that there were so many arrows that had penetrated his hands, as he was literally, as the arrows would be coming towards Rasulullah he would be catching the arrows and grabbing the arrows. So much so that his hand became paralyzed. But what would matter to you when behind you the Prophet is echoing and saying, Wajabat ya Talha, Wajabat ya Talha, Wajabat ya Talha. Talha, Jannah is yours, Jannah is yours, Jannah is yours. And he is standing there, what matters if my hand goes or not, Jannah is mine. So the man lived a life with a paralyzed hand, and that's how he got Jannah. And you and I get Jannah very easily by just saying, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, wa ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. So now again in the battle of Ahad, this was also, so let me say this story of Ubayy ibn Khalif and tell you how, this, how some of the other aspects of the battle of Ahad. And one day inshallah we'll go into detail about this. 
Ubay ibn Khalf, he was on his horse and he was galloping towards the mountain where Rasulullah was. And the Prophet and the Sahaba were about to react and the Prophet said, no, this one is mine. So he says, give me a spear. He grabs a spear, he looks at him and he throws the spear. And all the spear does is it grazes the neck of Ubay ibn Khalf. And the force of it, the Prophet had the strength of 10 men. And the, and the force of it was such that the man and the horse, they both toppled down and they fell down the mountain. He only had a scratch and he began screaming and yelling. So people around him were like, bro, there's some of us, we don't have hands and feet and our eyes have been gouged out. You have one scratch and you're crying. And he said, wallahi, my one scratch is far more painful than all of your wounds combined. You don't understand the pain that I'm going through. And later on he died, right, because of that, uh, because of that scratch. But even the Prophet was killing, only one man he killed in his life, was, was so compassionate that all it was was just a cut, but that cut was enough. Now moving onwards. This was also the battle that there was a rumor that the Prophet was killed. Now in the battle, you think your leader and your, and, and your commander is killed, the person you followed into battle? People couldn't hold it any longer. They walked off. They felt broken. And that's where Allah reveals the verse, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدَ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهَا الرُّسُلُ أَفَإِنْ مَاتَ أَوْ قُتِلَ إِنْ قَلَبْتُمْ عَلَىٰ عَقَابِكُمْ He said, Muhammad is just a messenger. If he was to get killed or something happened to him, would you run away? Allah still remains. Muhammad is just a man. So this is the battle of Ahad that takes place. Now, Allah also talks about the battle of Badr in this, uh, in this surah as well. And He says, Allah helped you in the battle of Badr. The battle of Badr only lasted about 45 minutes long. It happened on the 17th of Ramadan. The Sahaba were not fasting because obviously they're in battle, most of them didn't fast. But it only lasted 45 minutes long. And this battle, inshallah, again, on the 17th of Ramadan, we'll go into detail. But I just want to reflect on one story from this battle. And that is the story of Mu'adh and Mu'awwith ibn al-Afra, two brothers. They're in the battlefield and they're walking around. Abdurrahman, the hadith is in Bukhari. Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu anhu says, I saw these two youngsters moving around and I see one of them nudge me. So I turn around and I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you two little ladies doing over here? They said, can you tell us who Abu Jahl is? And he said, Abu Jahl was the Guru Gandal, right? He was the, he was the boss, the villain, right? This, the, 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 the main villain of, of the whole story. The Prophet said, Huwa Fir'aun Ummi. He is the Fir'aun of my Ummah. So Ma'ad and Mu'aw would say, he said, what do you want to do with Abu Jahl? This man is like the kingpin. He's the big boss and you guys are two novice fighters. They said, we heard that Abu Jahl caused pain to our Rasul So they both went to attack Abu Jahl. And as they went to attack Abu Jahl, Abu Jahl was an was a accomplished fighter and a warrior. So he goes and he takes his sword and he slashes one of their arms. And the arm is dangling. So he puts the, his foot under his arm and rips it off. And he continues and he injures his horse and he attacks Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl falls down. The battle is, people are leaving the battlefield. 
and Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu was as tall, the famous Abdullah bin Mas'ud that we hear about, the Hanafi fiqh goes through Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. He was as tall as a sitting person. Which means that naturally his physique was very short. You know, there's the Sahaba, the galaxy of Sahaba had all different groups of people, different types of people in them. You had blind Sahaba, you had Sahaba who couldn't walk, you had Sahaba with leprosy, you had Sahaba with all different challenges that happened in their lives. But that didn't stop them. So, so Abdullah bin Mas'ud is very short Sahaba. Physically, right? His stature is just, it, it, it biologically didn't grow. And when he comes to Abu Jahl, Abu Jahl is breathing his last. Abu Jahl looks at him and says, oh, out of all the people that could have killed me, you? He's like, okay, if I have to die at your hands, when you cut my neck, cut it from the lowest part over here. So when the heads are brought in line together, my head is sticking above everyone else's head, and it is known that I was a leader. The man's arrogance was insane. Obviously, the Prophet didn't do this. They used to do this thing. But his arrogance was insane. Even in death, his arrogance was so insane. So Abdullah bin Masrur sits on him and cuts it from the lowest part. So Mu'ad and Mu'abud, they go to Rasulullah with their swords and say, Ya Rasulullah, I killed him, this is, I killed him. And the Prophet says, let me see your swords. He sees the swords, he says, you both did it. Now, we are not asked to do any of these things. This was a very volatile time of Islam when the polytheists of Makkah had come and Medina was under the shade of their swords. We're not asked to do these things. The youth today are not asked to do these things. We're not asked to kill anyone else, fight anyone else, no. All we are told is to kill your own nafs. Our battle is not in the battle of Badr, but it's a battle within. It's a battle with our desires. It's a battle with our fantasies, with our sins, with our addictions. All we are asked to do in this day and age is to be able to overcome your own challenges and your own fantasies and your own desires. If you can humble that and you can break that and you can slaughter your own desires, then Jannah is yours. All you have to do is focus on yourself. Defeat yourself. We are our biggest enemies. We are our biggest challengers. We can fight anyone. We'll go to the gym, we'll lift, we'll do all of that stuff. We'll go on the court, soccer team, everyone is here. We'll, we can defeat anybody, but can you defeat yourself? Can you beat yourself? Can you beat your own desires and your urges and your own temper? Can you defeat that? And if you can defeat that, then you're a champion and you're a winner. If you can't defeat yourself, then you remain a loser. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to act upon what has been said. Uh, finally, as I remind everyone, inshallah, Saturday night we have our qiyam here with the Shaykh Yasir Qadi. Uh, Tarawih begins at 9.45 and the Qiyam will be at 11.15. So please, if you haven't registered, do register. If you are not on our Isra chat, uh, you can either come to me or Tarha and uh, you know we'll add you to the chat, inshallah. Bi'idhnillah. Uh, it's not too cold for you guys here, is it? Is it cold? If it's cold, you can just turn off the AC. I, I, I stay in a very cold environment. So for me, it's, uh, it's, it's calm and normal. Jazakallah. Excellent.